I felt like because I was a mum, suddenly I wasn't a good employee compared to you know, how I was previously. And I think that played a lot into it as well because my self-esteem was just kind of rock bottom where I always used to pride myself in my career, how I was doing, like that I was a workaholic, you know, that was something I was proud of. Suddenly I couldn't give it all my attention. I felt as a result, I wasn't doing a good job. But it was that because I was no longer a workaholic or no longer could be, I wasn't a good employee. I wasn't doing a good job, but it was also then that, you know, I wasn't giving my son all the attention that I wanted to give him as well. So I didn't feel like I was a good mother. And then I didn't have time for anything else. Yeah. So I felt like I was a bad wife and a bad friend. And, you know, it just kind of spirals in that way where you suddenly feel like you aren't doing all the things that you should be doing. And as a result, what's the point? Hello, and welcome to Behind the Mother Mask. I'm your host, Annie Breen, registered nutritional therapist, master NLP practitioner, and transformational coach for exhausted mums who don't feel enough. My mission with this podcast is to lead with vulnerability by starting to lift the psychological mask you wear each day that protects you and others from the stuff that's hard to explain and talk about. It's about sharing from the middle, not just the open wounds or the healed scabs, but the messy middle. Let's go for honesty over perfection. Because I believe when you transform yourself, you automatically transform your relationships and parenting by passing down wisdom, not wounds. So if you're up for that, you definitely don't need to do it alone. I'm here to lead you on what could be the greatest adventure of your life behind the mother mask back home to yourself. Hello and welcome back to episode 12 of My Mother Mask. Sorry, I'm just laughing. I've just written in my notebook, Be Human, Annie. Because <laughs> sometimes we can get stuck in scripts and trying to be perfect. But I'm also kind of giggling to myself because this was a great conversation and it just makes me so happy because I was speaking to, I'm going to call her a friend, but she's also a client of mine, Sarah Travis. And Sarah and I worked together through my one-to-one coaching program in 2020. So we started working together and we've been, we worked for six months together and then we've been in touch ever since. And she's the first one to come on the podcast with a little baby as well, little Ella, who I think is 13 weeks old. And she was a brilliant co-host. So amazing. So Sarah is a wife. She's a mum to two little people. She is committed to trying to live life in a less ordinary way. I love that. I am reading this, but um, give me a moment. Um, She is passionate about parenting and she really, really is and child development. I know that I learned a lot from her as well as I do with my clients and self-actualization. So she's very much on a journey of growth and understanding Catalyzed by the birth of her son. This is why we get on so well. And on a personal mission to challenge mainstream narratives around what it means to be successful and live well. Hell yes to that. And Sarah is learning to prioritize joy and gratitude for the everyday moments in life. So when she came to me, um, she talks about this in the podcast, but she actually approached me and then kind of disappeared and then came back. And Sarah will talk about this, but she was feeling very frazzled. That was the word, very overwhelmed, anxious, and just completely depleted. And as we got into it, you know, she talked about this kind of feeling of feeling like she was running on the spot just to stay where she was with her work. So trying to be the best employee she could be. And she was very much stuck in this kind of people pleasing perfectionist mentality and 
almost controlled by the approval of others and what other people thought and had completely kind of abandoned herself and her own needs and what was important to her in the process. So, and this was having a huge impact on her relationships and kind of wider world and how she wanted to show up as a parent. She was spreading herself very, very thinly. And when she came to me, she 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 thought she thought she was just going to get a few um food recommendation nutrition recommendations and some supplements but oh no we both went down the um personal growth rabbit hole together so sarah talks about this and i think it's such a brilliant honest conversation and what a journey from feeling completely frazzled and in survival mode to almost living life from a place of calm through the lens of joy. And that's one of her biggest kind of shifts is trying to see the joy in everything. We talk about generational patterns and what was modeled to her and how she's changing these patterns in how she raises her two children. We talk about the practical steps she took to changing her morning routine and how that was really honoring herself and prioritizing her needs. And Sarah believes that how she starts the day is kind of how she has an impact on the rest of the day. And we also talk about little changes as well that it doesn't have to be these huge massive shifts but actually when we get in tune with our values and what's important to us and that we're not trying to seek the approval of others anymore but honor our needs and listen to ourselves and like she said create our own narratives of what feels right not what we think we should be doing then things really really change and this is exactly what's happened to her and now she talks about she's gone from not knowing how she's going to get through the day and manage everything in this kind of old workaholic type mindset to literally being excited about the future and like I said finding the joy in each day it is such a good conversation and it just makes me smile because I know where she was when we first met and I can see where she is now and it's inspiring. So I hope you get a lot out of this. I know you will. This is certainly for you if you feel stuck in overwhelm, anxiety and survival mode and you feel like you're just trying to please everyone and there's no space at the end of the day left for you. Do let me know what you think. So without further ado, let's get into episode 12. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really excited to have this conversation. So we actually, Sarah has a little 13 week year old baby on her lap, Ella. (laughs) So this is her first podcast. It's very exciting for her. I know. The first time I've had a little baby on here. So welcome both. (laughs) Hopefully she'll nap. That's the the aim. That's what we're hoping for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just saying, um, we we obviously worked together, didn't we, Sarah, in 2020? Yeah. Two years ago. That's Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think now whether it was before or after lockdown that we started I think it was our work together but I think it was before yeah before all the madness started yeah (laughs) yeah and and it's interesting because what we're gonna talk about today and (laughs) we were trying to kind of refine a title but it it was how you were feeling when we started working together which was very frazzled and overwhelmed and kind of stuck in a survival mode yeah now feeling I think calm is just the embodiment of who you are and I was just saying to you wasn't I that I can feel the calm vibes coming through the screen because I was just getting into a really kind of <laughs> trance state chatting to you it's like oh my god I've forgotten how to work how to work theme where's the record um, so that's what we're going to talk about because it's quite a transformation right yeah yeah and I and I feel it and I think even like family members and people around me have really noticed it over the past couple of years and it's been a lot of, you know, my focus and in, in sort of changing the way that I feel internally to then be able to change the sort of impact that I have on people outside or the experiences that I have um, in my life. And 
like I definitely feel like I'm I'm getting there on that journey so I'm I'm excited <laughs> and so and <laughs> isn't that a wonderful feeling to feel excited I think sometimes mums and I know this was me don't realize that by putting yourself in the center it's not about like above your children or anything but in the center actually has a ripple effect it enables you to be there more for them in the way that you want to be to be better for yourself and them and I think that's such a mindset shift isn't it because we carry this kind of or it has to be one or the other I can't do that otherwise I'm going to take away from them but you've just said that you're able to give more yeah it's funny because you know like we all have bad days and one thing that I've really noticed particularly with having two children now is that if you wake up and you're in a bad mood all of a sudden everything is chaos and the children pick up on it and they act out. Whereas if you wake up and you start the day sort of in the right frame of mind, everything just seems to flow. And I guess that sense of calm, you know, that's, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I'm out walking in the morning, that's the one thing I really focus on is like, if I can be calm in like in myself and I can exude that calm, then everything else kind of follows that. So it's like, if I have my bubble of calm, then everything else kind of seems to be enveloped by that. <laughs> my toddler, my little, my little boy, he's almost four. He is like a bundle of energy. And so I have to really focus on that because there has to be a, a way of calming him down, particularly around when I'm trying to get Ella to nap or, you know, things like that. So I always find that if I get pent up or if I get annoyed, then that kind of just amps things up. Whereas if I can just kind of stay centered and everything sort of flows a bit easier. So that's, that's, I would have to say that with having a second child, that's really, really what my focus has been on and, and something that I've noticed has a huge impact on the day-to-day. So that is what we want to tap into, right? Yeah. Everyone that's listening, we want that <laughs> sense of come. So I wondered if you could just start off by introducing yourself um, and just a little bit more about you, two children, your passions, interests, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I'm 38 now. I have a little boy, Finn, who I said he's turning four in November and Ella's 13 weeks now. I absolutely dope being a parent. Now, before this, I was like very career oriented. I work in the IT industry. My work was my life, was my passion. So I used to travel a lot for work and, you know, no ask was, you know, like I could do, I could work any hour of the day. That was what my focus was. And having children really transformed the way that I kind of viewed life and view what my aspirations were in life. Um, but aside from that, like I'm really active. I love being outside. We have a dog. Passions really, as I said, I was very career, like I wanted to get ahead. That's sort of what my focus was in life. Whereas now it's all about self-development. So how can I be a better person and then see what that brings into my life? So whereas before I was very like goal oriented, I'm kind mm-hmm. of self-oriented and then just excited to see what might materialize as a result of that so I have goals in terms of how I want to be as a person and then in terms of what that you know like what manifests as a result of that that's kind of that's the game I'm playing now should we put it that way yeah and do you know what I hear from you it's almost and I see this is that you've swapped those kind of external externally driven kind of goals and expectations and demands for your internal value set yes yes and and that's something that's been really big for me because I think I was being pushed around a lot by what was happening externally Mm -hmm. and one thing that I've learned with kids is that they can really push your buttons (laughs) and I felt like a victim like I think my mentality when we first met was very like victimized like everything happens to me and you know like I was just just in the state where I was annoyed with everyone and I was frazzled and nothing was going my way and I think what I realized was that yeah if you're going to look at life that way then that's what's going to happen whereas my value now and I know I've I've kind of we've done the value exercise a couple times before and things kind of change but my value at the moment is joy my top value and so it's like in every circumstance that I find myself in at the moment I'm like okay how can I find the joy in this or what would be what would be the action that's going to bring me the most joy or bring joy to my children or my husband or the people around me? And that's, that's kind of what's transformed everything, transformed the way that I feel. And I guess transformed the way that I see life right now. So 
it's been a huge journey, but yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I don't even know how to articulate it. I'm just excited, I guess, is, is the way to put it. And that's, that's beautiful. Like, you know, and, and my next question is kind of what's your kind of approach to life now? And you've just said you're almost viewing life through the lens of joy. Mm-hmm. Like that's your new emotional home opposed to feeling kind of frazzled and anxious, overwhelmed. It's yeah. now you view everything through joy and how good is it by the way doing the values and actually tapping into them because how many of us as mums don't think about our values I mean really think about not just what's important to us in the external world but our deep kind of core values that drive everything we do I think it's interesting because I think growing up you're taught you know like everything that you're trying to attain is external so you want to have a certain career or a certain job or you want to live a certain lifestyle and, and you're taught to sort of go towards those goals whereas actually understanding what your values are it kind of s- switches what it is that you want to focus on and I think that's what's been really beneficial for me it's like well what do I want to focus on do I want to focus on the things that I want to get that then doesn't necessarily change anything in my life because the way that I feel is going to stay the same you know yeah, I'm going to feel happy for a little bit but then things dip again Or am I going to focus on those values that I have that just seem to continuously improve the way that I feel internally? Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's easy because look, (laughs) I'm a mom of two. I have really bad days too. I have moments where I'm frazzled still. I have moments where I shout at my kids and I feel awful. But if I can always go back to what it is that I'm trying to do, which is feel the joy, things turn around a lot quicker than they used to. Yes. A hundred percent. And I, I think that that's, that's it, isn't it? I think it, it motherhood is hard and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be hard because it is a journey of kind of yeah. natural evolution, how we all grow together and how we yeah. evolve and growth can be painful. And it's yeah. not about being perfect, but what I'm hearing from you, it's about having the tools or the understanding, the deeper insight that if you can come back to your value set that's going to be able to bring you back on course much quicker. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think that that is exactly it. We don't give ourselves the time to actually tune in. And when we're trying to focus on so many different things and we've got this kind of scattered attention, which causes anxiety, how can we feel mm-hmm. calm if we're, you know, it's like being in a safari park of tigers that are trying to get us. Where do we place our attention but if we can view life through the lens of our value set that Mm -hmm. actually channels our energy and our attention and we grow more of what we want don't we have you found that yes yeah for sure and it's just in the little things you know it's I think I think dedicating the time to myself because I think when we first started working together you know my attention was really I I wanted to give the attention to Finn because I only had Finn at the time and um, our parenting journey was very different. It was very difficult, but because I was trying to fit into this box in, you know, in terms of parenting, in terms of how I thought things should be done versus, you know, what, what I felt I wanted to do. And then on top of that, I was trying to chase all these career goals, which I felt like I, I had to be going for, you know, it was like my old life. This is what I wanted to achieve. This is what I wanted to do. And I was still trying to find the balance between the two. But what it meant was that I was either giving attention to Finn or I was giving attention to my career and I was never really giving attention to myself. And so it was no wonder that I felt frazzled. And, And it wasn't just that I felt frazzled, but I also didn't have much to give to the people around me. So I had a lot of tension in my personal life, you know, relationships, with my husband were really difficult the first year of parenthood I'm sure a lot of people can sort of resonate with that it's like a bombshell goes off you know having children is wonderful but it does change a lot and I think that not giving myself that time to to think about what did I want out of this situation really put a lot of stress in in the day-to-day life I remember something so so going back then um, I remember you saying that you felt like you were running on the spot with your work to stay where you needed to be Mm -hmm. and I thought oh my goodness like how many of us feel like that like we're on that kind of hamster wheel working really hard but we're not actually going anywhere (laughs) we're just maintaining maintaining and also I felt like I had something to prove like 
I had a child and I was so apologetic about the fact that I had a child, like, oh, I'm a mom and I'm sure this must put you out and I'm really sorry. And, you know, I was making not excuses, but I was apologizing at every step, you know, for things that actually looking back on, I didn't need to apologize for, but I felt like I had to prove myself as a good employee, despite the fact that I was a mom and I wasn't, you know, but I went above and beyond and I, I was just depleting myself. And my organization didn't need that for me. It was a pressure that I put on myself. Like Mm. I felt like because I was a mom, suddenly I wasn't a good employee compared to, you know, how I was previously. Yeah. And, and I think that that played a lot into it as well, because my self-esteem was just kind of rock bottom where I always used to pride myself in my career, how I was doing, like that I was a workaholic, you know, that was something I was proud of. Suddenly I couldn't give it all my attention. And I felt like as a result, I wasn't doing a good job. But it was that that because I was no longer a workaholic or no longer could be, I wasn't a good employee. I was I wasn't doing a good job. But it was also then that, you know, I wasn't giving my son all the attention that I wanted to give him as well. So I didn't feel like I was a good mother. And then I didn't have time for anything else. So I felt like I was a bad wife and a bad friend. And, you know, it just kind of spirals in that way where you suddenly feel like you aren't doing all the things that you should be doing and as a result what's the point you know it's just you end up in the spiral of feeling awful all the time and it's interesting because it's normally our health that makes us kind of say right I need to make a change I need some help or I need to do something about it because I know when we started to work together like on the form I think when I asked you what you wanted it was along the lines to feel better physically and mentally and ensure that you're getting the right nutrients for your busy mum lifestyle. And yes. it's very much being able to survive and support that. Yes. And hopefully sleep better. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and what I'm hearing from you is we kind of went down this rabbit hole in a good way of seeing what was underneath that busy mum lifestyle. And you've just touched on that, that kind of fear of, failure or what will people think like I need to prove that I can do all the things that as you found out wasn't sustainable when you shifted your identity yeah and that was it I think when I I reached out to you I was always complaining of being tired I'm so tired I'm so tired and and not only tired but you know brain fog I didn't feel like I could uh, like concentrate I felt scattered and I thought okay well I just need the right you know uh, supplements <laughs> if I have the right supplements I'm going to feel better <laughs> and everything will be fine um, and I remember having the first call with you where you sort of touched on some of the ways that you worked and I thought well this is interesting it's not really what I was looking for but actually let's go with it um, because maybe it's going to help me you know mentally because obviously I'd said there that I wanted to to have that sort of support as well um, and yeah it just it it changed a lot. And, and actually now I find it's not so much about the supplementation or the diet. Obviously I do watch that and I do try and supplement and um, exercise and do all the right things, but I love chocolate. So. <laughs> but it is more of the mindset and, you know, like what you said about energy and attention and, you know, that, that sort of phrase where, where attention goes, energy flows. That's, you know, that's kind of my mantra now. <laughs> yeah. What I want to focus on what's going to make me feel better. Yes, food and supplementation helps, but it's also about my mindset and where do I want to focus my attention and what emotions do I want to focus on as well? Because that really changes everything for me. A hundred percent. And isn't that one of our biggest energy drains, the emotional load, the kind of the stuff that we carry, the hidden kind of ghosts in the walls, all of this stuff that we don't really realize that we've kind of suppressed down into the unconscious. So go on. Well, I was just going to say my mind is one that spirals. So as soon as something happens that I don't like, you know, I sit there and in my head, I replay the situation over and over and over again. I come back with like witty retorts or I could have said or I should have done and it doesn't stop. And I mean, I don't experience that so much anymore, but certainly in 2020, you know, there was a lot of that going on and it was just exhausting. So it was no wonder I couldn't sleep. I mean, obviously like Finn had his own challenges around sleep, which meant that I didn't get a lot of it. But when I could sleep, I wasn't because I was just replaying scenarios and situations in my head over and over and over again. (laughs) And 
I'm interested. Did your mind take you to kind of anxiety about the future or were you ruminating on the past or was it a bit of both or just this kind of load of how much you had to do or all of the above? I think it was a bit of all of the above. I mean, mostly it was ruminating on things that had happened. I think that's where a lot of my mental load went. And then it was just trying to like keep up with all the things that I had to do. Um, I actually don't think I had much time to think about how I saw the future or envision the future. I just knew that I knew what I wanted as well. I think this is one of the things <laughs> I had an, an issue with. I'm quite stubborn. So I would be like, I want to have a second child. And I remember that we, we spoke about this and my husband just wasn't on board at the time because, um, you know, like Finn was, uh, I wouldn't say a difficult child, but our experience as first time parents wasn't easy. But it was just like, but I want this, I want this, I want this. And I would just, you know, that would be my focus. So I wasn't thinking about how I wanted to be as a person per se. It was more just like, this is what I want. And it was almost like focusing on things that I couldn't have that I wanted at the time. Um, and I think that was that that played into that negativity as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to ask you, you've kind of touched on it, but feeling depleted, completely spread between, you know, work and home life all of these things, being a mum, feeling exhausted, kind of wired in survival mode, what was the wider impact? How are you showing up? Because I know that you said something to me along the lines of, it was really important for you to be a gentle, responsive parent, but this was really hard when you were under so much pressure, depleted, and you weren't necessarily parented that way. So there was all that going on as well. So mm-hmm. how was that kind of having an effect on those around you? And you said about your relationship and, and parenting. I think this is a thing. I think like I focus so much on being a people pleaser at work. And yeah. then I focus so much on trying to be the best mom that I could to Finn, that there wasn't anything left for anyone else. So as I said, like, I think there were points in my marriage, certainly after that first, you know, like after having Finn, where I would have literally cut and run, not because my husband was doing something awful, but just because I couldn't cope. And I I didn't want to have to take on board somebody else's needs. I just wanted to, I guess, because I wasn't focusing on myself or my own needs. I didn't want to focus on somebody else's. Um, because I was already doing that with Finn and with work. So I didn't have anything else to give people. So I would say that I was short-tempered. I didn't have the capacity to be empathic with anyone else. Um, And I struggled to show up, I guess, in a way that I wanted to. And as a result, I just closed myself off because if I can't be the person, if I can't portray myself in the way that I'm used to portraying myself, which is, I mean, to be honest, a bit of a, a, yeah, I used to bend over backwards for other people without really putting my knees you know, <laughs> first yeah. also, but because I didn't feel like I can do, I could do that. I just didn't want to show up at all. So it was this thing that I was like, okay, I have to show up for work because I, I need to work and I have to show up for my child because this is really important to me, but I don't have the capacity to show up for anyone else. And so, yeah, my, my default is to run away if, you know, when things get hard, And I think I was doing that. I kind of put up a wall with my husband. I would say with friends and family, you know, there was there was a a significant amount of friction. And then all that would happen was that I would then sit and ruminate on on the friction. So then it just kind of contributed to my spiral and, and in feeling one that I wasn't being the person that I wanted to be. But two, also that I just couldn't cope. Yeah. (laughs) And that is a massive, I mean, I can relate to that massively. And I know a lot of others can too, Mm -hmm. that feeling like you don't have the capacity to cope. And what's really interesting with that kind of avoidance, Mm -hmm. because that was also my pattern that went back to childhood. What I learned to understand, because I hear this all the time, this kind of, I just want to cut and run. I want to run to the hills. I've kind of got Iron Maiden in my head. Like I want to just, (laughs) and it, And I hear that some women just feel like they don't want to be around anymore. It's not that they want to do anything bad, but they feel like they're in a way, they just want to disappear. They want it to end. They don't want it to be that way. And what I kind of, I went back through my past. And for me, that wasn't about abandoning or running away. It was about trying to find freedom that actually we wanted to do that so we could be free. Mm-hmm. And that shifted everything for me. So I'm a bad person, like, why would I want to run away from who I love? But I wasn't running away from them. I was running towards freedom yeah. because we, f- we can feel trapped 
can't we, in our circumstances and our situation, trying to be the best. Yeah. And that's not a nice place to be. No, perfectionism, I think, is one of my biggest faults. <laughs> like, you want to portray yourself as being perfect all the time, that you've got all your shit together. And I think that was the biggest dream for me. And, you know, in terms of how I am now, you know, like, obviously my focus is on the joy so that is when things aren't going well you know like chaos at home one child screaming the other one's crying and I just sit in the car and I laugh because I'm like this is parenthood this is what it is what what can I find in this moment that is you know going to make me happy and it's that I'm going to look back on this and I'm going to think it was funny or I'm going to miss it because the kids have grown up you know there there is joy or happiness to be found in those moments even when you feel like everything's falling apart and it's not about being perfect anymore it's about being authentic I think that's that's really what I struggled with up until having Finn the perfectionism the wanting to be the perfect parent doing everything by the book Um, and portraying myself as perfect like I've got everything I've got all my stuff together and then realizing that that didn't really serve anyone but especially not me so so it was how to come out with that. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is perfectionism used to be the mask you wore, but now it's much more authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I strive for. I wouldn't say that I get it all the time, but yeah. it's definitely my goal. So it, it's, you know, it's that thing. It's a value of my joy, authenticity, you know, showing up um, because I know that when I'm authentic, it gives other people the capacity to be authentic also. And I think that's, yes. that's the big thing for me because that's what I struggled with as a parent, um, you know, I would go to a lot of these, you know, like mom and baby classes and I'd be quite open to the fact like, oh, my child doesn't sleep. Anyone else has a problem. And, you know, everyone would be like, no, my child sleeps fine. Or I really struggled (laughs) with breastfeeding. You know, it was that like, I couldn't get him to latch. And I would like, I was in tears half the time. And part of the time I was trying to pretend like, oh no, everything's fine. I've got it. And the other half, I was being really open with people, but they were just kind of like, oh no, I don't have that problem. And then afterwards I would find out, well, actually they were struggling with something else or they were struggling with something similar, mm-hmm. but they didn't open up in that way. And it, it just, it made me feel more alone. It made me feel like I'm doing something wrong here or I'm not a good parent or, you know, and I think that that's what I struggled with most. So I find that, you know, trying to be perfect or trying to portray this perfectionism just alienates people. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't welcome people in, it doesn't make people, you know, like feel like they can share their experiences. And, and I struggled with that the most, you know, with with being a first time parent. And, and certainly that's kind of not how I want to be with other people. I want other people to be able to feel like they can be open with me. And I also want to feel like I can just be like warts and all, this is the situation I'm in just now. Yeah. And exactly that, like leading with vulnerability, it's the tagline to this podcast, (laughs) because it does liberate others, it gives people permission, because that's such an entrenched, protective and defensive kind of behavior mechanism, isn't it to wear Mm -hmm. that armor to wear that mask and pretend and perform as if everything's okay. And as we know, which we might touch on, it usually goes back sometime in history where they believe that vulnerability was a weakness or it was dangerous to be vulnerable or it was dangerous to speak up mm-hmm. um so <laughs> thank you we're going to come forward again but <laughs> what was the turning point for you so when you realized that you kind of needed some support and you, you've touched on this and how you're feeling but how bad did things have to get because we actually spoke and then you came back to me didn't you later on so yeah what was kind of because we're talking about kind of speaking up and reaching out what was the turning point for you I think I just felt like crap like 24 yeah. 7 I think yeah. I just got to a point where I was exhausted I was emotionally exhausted I was struggling to show up every day I didn't like the person I was I think that was the big thing I got to a point where I was like I don't like living life like this. And I don't, I don't like feeling the way that I feel. I don't like the person I'm becoming. Um, And I think the big thing was that I don't know if I'd read a book or heard a podcast or something, because I'm all about the self-help books, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think I'd heard something that, you know, if you have a problem that reoccurs in your life time and time again, it's not, it's not the situation. It's you, you know? And so how do you change it's, it's about changing yourself in order to change the situation. And I think that was kind of a trigger for me. Like, okay, I am having the same issues in my relationships time and time and time again. Um, 
so it can't be the people right it must be what's the common denominator it's me so how do I how do I shift my perception that things happen to me um into things happen for me and I think that was like yes. the big catalyst for me like I had to take ownership and I had to take accountability um and the first thing I thought I had to do was feel better so I need to feel better I need supplementation I need to you know like feel more energetic so that I can show up better um but then yeah through through some of the work that we did and then some of my own reading and courses that I've done yeah it was just kind of like realizing that it, it's it's all about how I choose to see life and that has had such a massive impact on just all the areas my relationships my work you know how things have shifted for me but more, most importantly how I view view things and I guess how I deal with difficult situations now um I don't run away as much so, <laughs> so it feels like I've made progress but yeah and that I was the turning point for me I can see the shift just in your smile and your facial expressions because it's empowering isn't it yeah you get yeah. to choose and it's you that's in charge of your perception and your response even if you can't control everything in the external world and it's almost I think you said letting go to what we hold tightest yeah. hold on tightest to and that is massive so so what were the biggest learnings and light bulbs going through you know from 2020 to now what have been your biggest kind of realizations or personal kind of learnings and shifts that have given you the biggest change I think that's it I think the biggest one really is just knowing that things happen to teach me something you know like I always think being a parent Oh, it was just the most incredible thing, but, but mostly because it was such a learning experience. Like I thought I knew what life had to be like. Right. And I knew, you know, like it was everything that I'd been taught, like you need to be successful. So in order to be successful, you have to, like, I, I was just repeating what I'd been modeled by my parents and, you know, having Finn, when Finn was born, he was ill. So we had to spend 10 days in hospital for him. And I don't know if I would have been a different parent if we hadn't had that. But what I know is that because of the situation that we went through with him, I became really protective over him and I adopted a more sort of like attachment parenting um, way of looking after him. And that brought up a lot of friction because of one, how I was raised, but two, how, you know, like other people had parented around me. Um, and I think I've always been a bit of a doormat. So I've always kind of just like, I've not really stood up for myself and, it was the first time that I was kind of being asked to stand up for my values and my beliefs. And that was really difficult for me. And so before that, I wasn't really doing that. I was just kind of like shutting people out mm. because I was afraid to do that, like to, to stand in what I believed. Um, and so, you know, like it was realizing that it was okay to want to do things differently and it was okay to express myself and actually the biggest thing was that if people reacted to it in a way that I didn't like or that I didn't expect that didn't necessarily have something to do with me that had more to do with them and I think that shift because I was kind of feeling like I mean as the people pleaser you're always trying to find a way of making sure that everyone is happy and when that stopped happening I I struggled with that because I'm used to you know making sure that everyone else is fine first but it was kind of realizing like, okay, they're not fine, but that's not necessarily to do with me. I'm not the yeah. center of the universe. This has maybe got more to do with them. And, and um, I think that's the thing. I think realizing that in difficult circumstances, yeah, okay, this is probably the biggest lesson. It's like, they're there to teach you something. So if I'm being triggered by somebody else, what's that showing me? You know, where am I stuck? Because that's usually, you know what it is when my son triggers me, okay why is he triggering me right now? Is it because I, you know, like he's just being annoying or is it because it was something that I wasn't allowed to do when I was younger or what beliefs do I have around this? And I think it's the introspection that I didn't have before. Mm. Um, so parenting has been the biggest shift for me. You know, that, that whole, it's like everything had to explode. <laughs> everything had to fall apart because it was the, I guess it was the, the situation that I needed to actually make myself stop and look at what was going on inside because I think I was just repeating a lot of the patterns that I'd seen with both my parents um, in terms of expectations whereas I was able to stop and look okay this is the stuff that I control this is my stuff this is my baggage these are my triggers okay 
if someone else is reacting in a certain way, that's their stuff, their baggage, their triggers. And I think it was that separation between the two that, that made a huge difference for me, you know, being able to separate that because I was so enmeshed <laughs> in, in other people, I think before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's massive. And I, I see quite a lot that almost this, people pleasing takes a bit of a 360 to the rebel and you said you were stubborn um but I think that's very much attached to that kind of rebel and you can be a soulful rebel um you have to go your own way you have to trust your gut you might be going yeah. against the tide or the shoulds but it's tapping into what are your values and what's important to you around parenting even if that's not how your parents did it or society tell you that you need to do it yeah and that takes courage but over time, it builds this kind of momentum of empowerment. Do you agree? Of like, yeah, I'm trusting yeah. myself and it's paying yeah. back. It's, it, I can see that. Absolutely. And I think it was really, really hard in the beginning. And to be honest, it's like I kind of knew how I wanted to parent, but I was very uh, sensitive to criticism and I was very reactive in the way that I was trying to, you know, defend my position. <laughs> I felt yeah. like I had to defend it. Um, whereas actually, you know, it was just a bit of education. You know, like if you sit down with somebody, like, especially my mom, cause my mom would be like, I never did that with you. And I'd be like, yeah, but I, you know, it didn't come out that way. I'd be like, well, this is the way I'm going to do it. You know, or I would just like cut myself off or I didn't want to spend time with people that questioned the way I was choosing to parent because I was taking it really personally. Um, and then I realized that, you know, that wasn't the way to deal with. That's not the way I wanted to deal with it. Cause it was coming back to this, like, just, I have a habit of yeah if I don't like things I just drop them <laughs> and I was trying to do that but you can't do that with your husband and you can't do that with your in-laws and you can't do that with your family necessarily yes. I mean you could but it's not conducive <laughs> it's yes not, it's not helpful but that was the situation that I was in I didn't like the feedback I was getting so I just didn't want the feedback um whereas actually I learned that okay there is a way that I can parent the way that I want to parent and I don't necessarily have to uh, like the feedback that I get from other people or their opinions, but there's a way of taking in that opinion or brushing off the opinion aside or responding to the opinion that can be helpful. I.e., I can just accept the fact that people are going to have something to say about it, but that's more about their insecurity than mine. Yes. Or, okay, well, maybe they're saying that because they don't understand. I, I got really deep into child development after I had been so I went down the rabbit hole of learning about attachment and, you know, like the way that, you know, uh, yeah, infant brains are formed and the connections that they make. And I just love it. And I just find it fascinating that other parents didn't want to know all this stuff as well. <laughs> so now it's like when people say, oh, you know, but why are you choosing to do things that way? Well, I can explain. Well, I understand that this is, you know, what's helpful for their development or their attachment needs. And I have this like, big theory about why people feel so empty these days stemming from the way in which they were perhaps parented in, in early years um, certainly that's the way that I felt so you know it, it's it's about giving my children a better future or a better sense of self through the way that I am choosing to parent them yeah I think you touch on such a great point because I know, you know, we we did timeline and we were able to go back and look at these patterns and look at them from a different perspective and gain the learnings and often those learnings and resources that we need are underneath the layers of crap that we had to endure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's about it's not about necessarily dragging up the past, but it's about looking at your relationship with the past. Yeah. And how you can take those resources forward and isn't it amazing you kind of hear in the coaching realm surround yourself with people that like light you up and make you feel like rainbows and whatever that is not always possible when we've got like family members friends you know our circle our intimate circle are going to have people with different views different opinions different generational patterns that they have lived through and what you've just said is about taking people's feedback and opinions but not allowing it to be absorbed going that's interesting having that separation that must be more about them you know I can see that and I think that is amazing it's about being able to 
be okay with that, not take it personally and let it absorb into us. Mm-hmm. Um, but also show up with, I want to say boundaries. That's the word that comes to mind that you can have those re- relationships, but you can manage them and you can take what you need from certain dynamics and does it feel like that? Does it feel that you have much more kind of agency around an understanding around these relationships? Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot more compassion. I think, yes. you know, sort of understanding where people are coming from, that they don't necessarily mean to upset you, no. that they're just expressing their own, I guess, insecurity in a way. Um, I think that's helped. But I think the big thing is, like you said there, yeah, it'd be great if we were surrounded by people that just, you know, were our cheerleaders all the time. But the flip side to that is where would we grow? And I think this is something that I've I've learned, like, every time I'm in a difficult situation, I'm like, okay, I could get really pissed off about this. And sometimes I do, right? And then I think, how can I grow from this? What is this situation trying to teach me? And I always say that with my kids, because Finn is going to be four now. And I don't know about you, but three Three has been the most interesting year. And I think because there's been a lot of change and Ella has come along, but there's been a lot of challenges there. And in the midst of the challenge, it's hard, right? You're just like, oh, you're driving me mad. Why, like, why can't things be a bit more straightforward? But I always stop and I think, okay, what are you trying to teach me? And I always say that when I look at Ella, I'm like, okay, what are you going to teach me? Because I think the biggest thing from becoming a parent is realizing one, you can't control everything. You can't control other people. You can't control all the circumstances and situations around you. So what is showing up and how do I deal with this in a way that's going to help me and help my children? You know, like, and I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's just understanding that life isn't always meant to be easy because if it was easy, you probably wouldn't grow. Yeah. (laughs) So true. And it's the people that challenge us, that change us. They they allow us to look at ourselves and our triggers, like you said, not through this kind of victim lens, but through the lens of your values and who do you want to be? Who are you being? How are you showing up? I think that's so, so true. And that builds resilience. It, It allows you to relate to people and teach your children how to relate to lots of different people in different situations and I Mm -hmm. think that's amazing so you've kind of you've touched on values before I know that was a big part of um kind of change for you and becoming more energized and more calm changing your mindset that life is happening for you not to you and Mm -hmm. being able to look at triggers as teachers and look at life situation and and relationships what is it trying to teach me how can I grow from this and being able to find the joy is there any other and looking at those generational patterns which I think was huge to understand that you have the power to change those patterns you don't need to become the pain of the past or or what it looked like is there anything else hello Ella (laughs) she's sort of looking at me like what's going on um I think the big thing and I think this is an exercise that we did together but it was like if it was the future me looking back at this situation how would you want to see it or how you know like how would you want to reflect on it and I do this all the time now like okay I'm in a situation that I don't really like go like fast forward to the future and I'm like this zen (laughs) buddhist monk that is all wise and all knowing (laughs) how how do I want to look back on this how do I want to have managed the situation or handled the situation and I think that really helps because I think it's like so many times we're in the situation and we focus on what's happened previously or we think about like all we can think about is where we want to get to whereas actually it's important sometimes to kind of put ourselves where we want to be and look back and I think that's helped me a lot and it's actually an exercise that I've done because one that really helps but also the other one is kind of rather than comparing ourselves to who we are now or comparing ourselves to other people comparing ourselves to who we were so often like I'll be in a situation and I'll think okay well where was I five years ago And that's such a boost because I can see the growth, you know, I I can see how far I've come, I can see the practices that have got me there. So that kind of helps me then determine, okay, well, how do I want to behave in this situation? 
if I can see how much I've grown as a result of some of the things that I've been doing, how do I want to continue to behave? So I think it's kind of like this, these timeline shifts, like where am I now compared to where I was? And if I was me in the future, how do I want to look back on this situation? Yeah. What would be your advice to yourself now? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I love that. I think sometimes we need to take on the persona of the person that has already achieved that goal or that change yeah. and look back. And it's so interesting. You said, and then we look at the behavior. How often do we look at the behavior? We get stuck in the results and the behavior mm-hmm. first and we judge ourselves on that, not this kind of internal compass of actually how do I want to feel where do I want to be what are my values what are my beliefs yeah then you said about the practical steps what are some of because I know you really shifted like your morning routine and that was a big thing for you and now you Mm -hmm. are able to wake up joyful looking forward to the day and 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 you said how you wake up in the morning really has an impact on the rest of the day so what for those listening what are some of the practical steps you were able to implement from this kind of shift in identity I think the big thing was putting myself first first so before I would like wake up in the morning the first thing I would do look at my phone what emails have come in like what do I need to like firefight you know that was kind of the mentality that I was in getting everyone else sorted and then just sitting at my desk and doing my work for my clients whereas now the first thing that I do is what do I need so I definitely don't look at my phone um until you know further on in the morning but things that really help me gratitude exercise so in the morning I like to think about I learned this practice uh, I'm on like mind valley oh, yeah, <laughs> mind yeah, yeah. Valley. yeah so I like the practices some of the quests that are on there um so it's all about self-development but one of them is the gratitude practice so it's like three things that I'm grateful for in my personal life three things that I'm grateful for in my in my career in my work life and then three things I'm grateful for about myself because how often do we not look at ourselves and yeah. you know like things that we can be proud of or things that we can be happy with um so I like doing that and then I really like doing the um it's kind of like it's called a segment intending exercise so it's like looking at what we have planned for the day and imagining it going the way that we'd want it to and and saying thank you right thank you for this this podcast with Annie going really well because Ella sleeps the whole way through she's she's tried she's she's almost there oh we're nearly there Ella (laughs) but it's just that sort of stuff so it's kind of like thinking about how I want my day to go and then being grateful for the things that I have or the or the way you know like the things that are coming um you know these sort of exercises I used to do quite a lot of meditation I don't really have the time at the moment with with my little one and with Finn um but exercising as well even if it's just 10 minutes you know these sort of things really really help so it's kind of like putting myself first filling my cup and then being able to fill up the cups of other people. I mean, she's going to come join us because I think she wants yeah, to Yeah, come be. join us because you can. Get... Oh, hello. <laughs> the final questions can be for you. <laughs> and then what's been the ripple effect of this change? Because I know people could really notice it in you. Yeah. So relationships got so much better. You know, it's one of those things. It's really funny, like, people say the less you push the easier things come I think the big thing for me is I really wanted another child <laughs> my husband's like you're mad the one that we have is like so much work already and it was one of these things that it was causing a lot of friction and once I kind of like yeah. stepped back and recognized you know it was like understanding his position and being empathetic about the way that he felt about things and then things kind of just shifted naturally and I think that's just the thing people people want to feel heard and I don't think I was listening to other people because I was so caught up in my own narrative about why things were happening the way things were happening so yeah there's such an improvement in relationships in the way that I I think relate to people the way that I see my work life the way that I feel grateful for things but I would just say like overall (laughs) it's hard to articulate it but it just everything just feels so much better you know I, th- I think my relationships feel better I'm so much happier with my work life um I think the big thing for me is not feeling like I have to control everything and yeah. I think we were speaking earlier and I was like you know before I was so goal-oriented about where I want to go and the things that I need to achieve and how I need to like climb the corporate ladder and how much money I want to earn 
Whereas like now I don't have answers to any of those things because I'm kind of like, I want to follow the joy and see where that takes me. And that seems to me so much more exciting than anything else. Like if somebody asked me a year ago where I would be, I wouldn't say I'm where I am now. You know, like I didn't think I'd have a second child at this point already. And, you know, we sold our house and we're renting just now, but I didn't know I was going to be, you know, doing that either. So it's kind of like just seeing where life takes me and trusting that, that wherever I end up is where I'm meant to be. I think, I think it's that it's having that trust to go, to go with the flow and go with the universe and, and just kind of enjoy enjoy the ride rather than focusing on what you know like the goals that I have yeah I think that's such a good point (laughs) because when we try and control and that usually comes from a place of like wanting to get it right kind of not wanting to fail to feel good enough yeah we also can we squeeze the life out of any of the magic or the unexpected mm-hmm. moments or you know the the mysticism the things that can happen so yeah we control everything whereas when we let go we leave a little bit of room yeah for the juiciness in life those unexpected yeah. moments for it to take its course as it should for it to get into flow and I think that's such a such a good point but I think the biggest thing and you know just before is that I actually really like the person I am and I don't think I could say that before I think you know before I had this idea of who I had to be and you know I always felt like I was failing I always felt like I wasn't quite meeting the expectations that I'd set for myself or my you know like how life had to be perfect and it just it was really it was really painful it was really stressful and I'm not always the person that I want to be in the moment but overall I like who I am. I like who I'm becoming. And I like, I like the way my life is turning out without having to force or control anything. <laughs> I have moments where I still, you know, I, you can get stuck. You do. I mean, we're, we're human, you know, I'm, I'm not like always in this happy bubble, but for the most part, I would say compared to where I was, you know, the, the change is significant. And, and that's what I hold on to, you know, the, if this is how far I've been able to come in two years, you know, yeah. where am I going to be in the next five? Goosebumps. And what <laughs> a gift to give your children a mother who loves herself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I don't think, yeah, I, things could have been very different. And, um, and I have to say that they are my inspiration. You know, they're the ones that challenge me to be better every day. And because I don't want them to feel the way that I did growing up and I want them to be able to follow their own path. And I know that in order to do that, they need to have a firm idea of of who they are and what's important to them, what their values are and follow those instead of following some arbitrary, you know, life goal that's been set by school systems or, you know, by society. You know, I think that's what I've realized. Societal pressures mean nothing. You know, like we, we buy into this, like this narrative that we have to be keeping up with everyone else or what success looks like. We're actually, it's very different. Um, It doesn't have to be, where you are on the corporate ladder it could just be how you feel every day inside yourself and I and I think that's not that's not discussed enough you know that's not something that people are aware of no. um, so so that's my that's my motivation I think really and you're living that legacy that. like you've answered that question when you want to instill in your children that they mm-hmm. have the belief in themselves that they can choose their own path that they yeah. value and themselves that they have self-worth and I think that is you're living that you know, you're showing them that you're modeling that. Yeah. I have a final question. And if you've got anything else to add, please do. But why do you think so many mums suffer in silence? And what would be your advice knowing what you know now? I think we suffer in silence because there is a lack of, of openness. Like, I think it's the perfectionism thing, you know, and it's what I found. Like, I struggled to open up with people because I felt like when I did, I was shut down or, you know, I, I was met with this mask of perfection. <laughs> and I, and it just doesn't encourage you to want to open up any further. So you just kind of suffer because you think, well, everyone else is coping. Everyone else is doing fine. So it must just be me. And you internalize it. And it becomes like, you know, I'm doing something wrong. I, I've not understood. And I, I definitely think that's how I felt about it. And I think it's about, you know, like we don't have, you know, like where's the village? Everyone says like, where's the village? Where's the village? And it is that we're not, we're not willing to share our experiences anymore and be open and vulnerable with the fact that we don't always get it right. Um, we're not always the perfect parent. We don't always understand what we're doing. 
Um, but everyone wants to pretend like they do. So, so I think that's why we end up suffering because we just don't feel, we feel alone. We feel like we're the only ones going through. My husband says this all the time now. He's like, you know, with Finn, Finn doesn't, Finn didn't sleep. I'd say his sleep's got a lot better. But for three years, he really didn't sleep and he would wake up screaming. Mm. And Ben was like, we cannot be the only people going through this. But it certainly felt like we were. Mm. And then as he got older and I would meet other moms and some of them would be like, oh yeah, my child didn't sleep either. I'm like, why did no one tell me this when I was going through it? Yeah. Because I did feel like I was on my own. So I just didn't feel inclined to share. You just feel like, okay, I must just be doing something wrong. Yes. So I'm I'm just gonna start talking about it now. <laughs> I must I'm just gonna start talking about it now because it's just it's a weakness. It's I, I'm I'm wrong. I'm doing something incorrect. And my child is is suffering as a result of something that I'm doing. You know, we all want to be the perfect parent. Mm. Um and I think that's that's the issue. The the perfection is is unachievable and it's it's just like a stick that we hit ourselves with. So yeah. Yeah. Guess what, people? My child, my child doesn't sleep through the night. <laughs> And that's okay. That's okay. That's fine. That's that's what's natural. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Beautiful. Anything that you want to leave us with? That was so much wisdom. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Ella. You've been a wonderful co-host, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. I I'm think really impressed. I think if there's anything that I would say, it's that yeah, that like we're not perfect. We, we can't be perfect. And even if we're on this course where, you know, like life is going really great, we're still not perfect all the time. So it's okay, you know, to admit that you're struggling or it's okay to admit that you have moments where you shout at your children and, you know, like the Instagram life is not the thing that we should be trying to obtain. I, I think that's the thing. Like, I think the life that we're being told we should be striving for is not really the life that we need. Um, yeah, I think it's shifting the way that we feel inside and then, and then seeing how that changes the way the people around us feel as well. But I think definitely, you know, choosing joy in the moment, you know, like I hate chaos and mess and like sometimes the living room is a bomb site, and I can choose to spend my time picking up after my children, or I could just embrace the messiness for a couple of hours and play with them. And it's that, it's that, it's that, that choice there of, of, choosing to pick joy in that moment where all I want to do is pick up the mess <laughs> yes I think that's what it is yeah I love that and struggling <laughs> doesn't mean you're failing it means you're growing yeah exactly they are our teachers you know is an awakening they shift us onto the path that we're supposed to be on I would hate to think what sort of person I would be if I didn't have my child I probably would still oh be just God. going for the same yeah. things and I and yeah it's been it's been a hell of a journey but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. You know, like I, I love being a mom, but I love being a mom because I feel like my children have made me grow so much and I'm just excited to see <laughs> what other lessons they're going to teach me. Cause like sometimes when Finn is being an absolute nightmare, I say to my husband, I'm like, and he's not even hit the teenage years yet. Right. So this is, this is the challenge now <laughs> is how do we practice our patience so that when he hits his teenage years, we know how to handle the situation in the way that we want to, but yeah they're a joy they are a joy <laughs> thank you so much that has been so honest and full of wisdom and I really love to hear your journey and I know it will inspire and help a lot of others listening so thank you so, so much it's been nice to meet Ella. <laughs> thank um, you Annie thank you for your time and we'll catch up soon all right lovely thank you Wow, amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so grateful for your openness and honesty and for coming on. You are full of so much wisdom and it's just really lovely to hear and have that conversation with you. So I hope that you got as much out of that as I did. Totally inspiring. And I think it really kind of, like all of the conversations, kind of paves a path for hope that we can change. And I know how consuming and overwhelming it can feel to feel exhausted and kind of stuck in overwhelming emotions, but it doesn't have to be that way. I know that and Sarah is proof of that. And on that note, I'm saying this now, but actually I I don't know how long a pipeline is, but this is in the pipeline. Um, My new improved updated program 
and I'm just going to tell you what it's called and it's going to be coming to you soon. So I have been, uh, been working on this, I guess this is for a long time, but it's very much refining the work that I do and putting it into a program that is for you. And it's very much based on my energized mother model, which is combining my nutritional therapy and functional medicine approach along with the NLP and working with the mindset and also my life experience which I'm sure you're starting to get the gist of right now. <laughs> um, so it's, it's called Rediscover You Behind the Mother Mask, and it's a 10-week breakthrough pathway to help high-functioning mums who are suffering in silence release overwhelming emotions so that you are free to live and parent with more peace, purpose, and energy. So if you feel like you need some help, and if that resonates, get in touch. I am free to have clarity calls so we can book a call in. That program will be coming soon, but obviously I'm open to working one-to-one -one as well. So don't feel that you have to wait. But this is very exciting. I just feel like every mum needs this. Anyway, I hope you have a great week. Uh, let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know your biggest take home and if you feel called cool to, please go over and leave me a review because it's so cool to see them. Um, but also, <laughs> it helps other mums. I guess it bumps up the podcast, doesn't it? So that we can reach more people, more mums. Brilliant. Okay, have a great week and I will be back next week with another episode of Behind the Mother Mask.